This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 375 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Stuck in the snow and your teenage daughters. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Easy Signs Online, Sparkle and Boom, and listeners like you. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop cause it's time again for stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. Hear the rest of the story of the Chilean horse rescue with snowboarder Raphael Pease and Hannah Broadus on her article, Seven Ways to Deal with Your Teenage Daughters So That They'll Appreciate You Later. Plus, Tack and Habit goes to the cats. Listen in. This is Glenda Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, hi, Helena. You know, you're welcome. What did I do? I bailed you out from the show's header today. Yes, you did. I could, I could not read the one sentence. Because you had a Helena out. moment. You know why? Because I got vacation on the brain. I'm going on vacation <laughs> in a couple days, and I'm ready. That's what you said last week. <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for vacation. I, I really am. Are. I know you are. You, you know, I love thought. this show. I have a greatest sh- job in the world, right? I love doing this show and all the shows. I have a greatest job in the world. I talk for a living to my favorite people in the world. But you do get tired, so I'm just ready. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people think that working for yourself is Ugh, wonderful. It's 100 hours a week. And it week. is, but for every every moment of wonderful, there's an equally painful moment of ugh. Well, and, and we have to get all the shows because we take our job professionally and seriously, right? We have to get all the shows done for when we're gone, and we're gone for 10 days this time. So we really do have to get all the shows done and recorded ahead of time so that people have cool stuff to listen to. Yep. And, and uh, we make our sponsors happy. So and we make our sponsors happy so they don't, you know, so they actually get their money's worth. Yeah, we're so, obligated. And, and our listeners, we want to make them happy too. We love our listeners. So, They're the easy part of the show. We love them. So I was booking today. Uh, tell you, we're going to the Grand Canyon. We're going to go out and see Jamie for a couple days, and she has some things planned. I don't mm-hmm. know what. She's going to make us eat tofu chili or something. Ugh. Ooh. So, um, something yeah. with tofu. I'm sure every meal is going to be like tofu something. So I'm gonna. we're going to stop on the way to Jamie's house at the Walmart and pick up a whole bunch of junk food and pack it in a bag so mm-hmm. that we can sneak into our bedroom and actually eat when we're there. I'm a little concerned about Jamie's house. So, so then we're heading to the Grand Canyon uh, and Sedona, Arizona for, for four or five days. We've never been to the Grand Canyon. so that what, are you, what are you going to do in Sedona? Sedona, we are going. I just booked are you going it. to a spa? No. I oh. just booked it, and we're going to do a Segway tour. I'm so excited. Of the city? Of the city and the rocks, of the red rocks and stuff. Okay. So that's going to be fun on a Segway, which I've only ridden the Segway once. Remember they had them the one time? Were you there the one time they had them at Ada? Um, 
Um, you could try them at Ada. I think you were there know. that time. But we got to ride them for like two minutes. And now we'll get to do two hours worth of Segway tour. And we'll see how that goes. Okay. Um, but I've always wanted to do that. So we'll see how coordinated we are. And then uh, I also am going to take a helicopter tour. Jennifer won't go on that with me. Now, what makes you want to take a helicopter oh, tour? Oh, I've done helicopter tours almost everywhere I go. Oh, okay. I love okay. the helicopter. There's no better way to see it. Oh, there really isn't. So right. I'm going to do that. And then uh, we're going to go horseback riding at Jamie's, apparently. And then we're heading out to Flag is Up Farm. We're going out to Monty Roberts' place for a couple Yay. days. So we're supposed to be riding and driving there, too. So it should be a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to this trip. Isn't that funny? See, your wife totally wins. She totally wins. Yes, yeah, she did. It, it might have taken her 28 years. I got her on a wins. darn Segway, though. <laughs> <laughs> she said, when we're in Sedona, you know, they have great trail riding. I said, I'm going trail riding twice on this trip. You're doing something that you wouldn't normally do. You're going on a Segway. <laughs> and then I might rent one of those four-wheelers and go four-wheeling, too, and make her suffer through that. So maybe that's what we'll do, too. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So look at so it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and you're going away. You're going to visit uh, Buck's family and doing that kind of stuff. And I want to remind everybody that if they missed it, uh, it comes out. This show comes out Thursday, the twenty second, which is also when you hear the Horse Husbands episode on Horses in the Morning, the second Horse Husbands episode, and a certain person's boyfriend, BFF. Uh, you know, best friend forever is on that show. <laughs> Buck came on and and told all the dirty dirt about Helena. The dirty dirt? There is no dirty dirt. My dirt is clean. I'll have you know. <laughs> Buck was a great guest, and uh, if you missed that, head over to Horses in the Morning, and it's it'll be there by the time you listen to this. The Horse Husbands episode with Buck talking about what it's like to be with Helena. <sighs> did you you did you hear it yet? No. How can I hear it? You said it doesn't go until... That's right. I hid it from you. You did hide it from me. I was going to send it to you to listen to, but then I thought, no, screw her. She has to listen to it. Screw her. I know. <laughs> no, you forbid me from digging up the fi- the sound file. I did. I didn't like, get out of there. Stay no out of there. No listening ahead. You got to suffer ahead. with everybody else. See, then you can't call me And he me made and me say, get out of the office, too. Yeah, he made me get out of the I, studio. I told him to do that. I said, he was like, get her ahead. out of there, because I wanted her, him to speak openly and freely. Which he does anyway, but I think he got a little extra glee from being, you know, in the secret man cave. He's thing. a good guy. We like Buck. Oh, and the other person you're going to hear on that uh, show is Jamal, who is Holly Bennett's husband. And Jamal looks like a, a uh, an old Greek god. You know, he's built like a mm-hmm. tank. And he talks with this very deep, you know, voice that all the women swoon over. Pretty much made Timothy and I feel, you know helpless and useless as a male. So that he's also on the show too with Buck. A lot of testosterone. But women Just a are, regular, I did want to say you can only night. listen if you're a man. Women are not allowed to listen to that episode. It's not women are not no. allowed to listen it's to that. It's a no episode. woman zone. That's right. If it wasn't for us, there wouldn't be a horse husband show. <laughs> Who the hell would you guys be married to? <laughs> Good point. I'm just going to leave that right there. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, I take that point. Well taken. <laughs> all right. You want to go to our first guest? I do. Who is our first guest? We're doing all oh, kinds of shows all at once love today. This. Jennifer and I had a chance yesterday to catch up with somebody. She arranged this one. I don't know how she got an degree to do it. But right after we hear from one of our auditors, we're going to speak to Raphael Pease, which I think is how you say it. 
There's a video that went viral that went around Facebook, what, about a week ago, Helena? Yep. And it was the Chilean horse rescue. These snowboarders who were snowboarding and found this horse stuck in the snow. And it's been seen a million two hundred thousand times now. It's been on all the, the major TV networks. And we managed to, Jennifer tracked down the guy who rescued the horse, the mm. snowboarder. So we're going to hear from Raphael and his story. And let me just say, listen closely because there's a twist. Hey, this is Gina Moronic from Wisconsin, and I am an official Horse Radio Network auditor, something I'm really proud to do and to be a part of in a small way because it's something that I get a lot of information from. The Horse Radio Network uh, and the convenience of the downloadable podcasts means that I can improve my horsemanship skills, my riding skills, um, or just really enjoy listening to friendly, informative programming whenever I'm driving to work or working on chores or at the barn even. So I hope you find it as enjoyable as I do. If you do, go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner to become a Horse Radio Network auditor. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be involved in this great thing, too, and keep it going. Thanks. Well, hi, Raphael. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me today. Well, now I know that uh, you you went viral on Facebook, and we're so glad that you were able to join us and talk about this, because I know every horse person I know shared that video of you. And it was a video of you. You went skiing in Chile. Is that right? Yeah, I went snowboarding down there uh, for the winter. And uh, you were... You had said in the video it was like your first, was it after the first snow. Was that when it happened? Um, yeah, that, uh, the reason the horse got stuck was because it was out there grazing and, uh, it was a late winter. So it was the first snowstorm and it caught most of us off guard. Ah, okay. Got it. So you decided to go skiing that day, by the way, uh, first of all, the way you ski with that selfie stick and keep the camera on you, I'm impressed. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That was the first thing that impressed me because I don't think if I did that, that would happen all that smoothly. Uh, and then you're so tell us what happened that day. Um, well, I was getting back from a trip in Patagonia and uh, it was actually my 21st birthday. So, I, what I do on my 20 uh, on my birthday every year is go snowboard some in snow with my friends. And I messaged one of my friends, Peachy, and we went and toured up the ski resort and we went to the backside, which was not open yet. So it was fresh powder, never been touched. And we just had a great day, did a couple laps. And then out in my peripherals, I saw a brown rock that looked like a horse, but it was pretty far away. And there's a bunch of rocks that look like animals out there, or certain shapes. So didn't think much of it till... I just kept thinking about it for the rest of the day and just hiked out there and realized it was a horse. So that's when it all began. So you had actually seen it earlier in the day and thought, uh, and then it went back? Yeah. I mean, it looked, it honestly looked like just a square rock since it was buried all the way. But what caught me off guard was um, the ears. There's not really too many rocks that have ears. perfectly <laughs> horse-shaped ears. So. Now, you went out there. How deep was it buried? 
the horse was probably a little bit above its stomach, and it's a Korean horse, so it's not that big. I would say like around three feet or a meter. Wow. And you think it just had gotten caught in the storm and then got to the point where it just couldn't move anymore? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple scenarios playing in my head, but um, that snowstorm lasted about four days. So what I think is the horses was out there grazing on the 9th of July, and the snowstorm started on the 9th at night. And out there in the mountains, it gets pretty bad with the weather, and you can't really see anything. And the horse seemed pretty old to me, so I think it panicked and ran the wrong way, which was uphill, and it was running up a like small stream, so it was literally frozen about six inches to the ground, and then got about three feet of snow around it, so it was pretty much stuck. Wow. So if that horse was out there four days and you hadn't come along, it wasn't going to last too much longer. Um, so it, it's um, yeah. I mean, I know in Chile it's pretty popular to eat charqui, which is basically horse jerky. So I mean, I've had a, a bunch of bad backlash about saving the horse from a bunch of locals there, even though I'm a local there and they all know me. Um, saying I didn't have the right documents to go out there and handle wild animals. And the, the day I was saving it, a bunch of ski patrols at the uh, local ski resort there tried taking the horse from me, saying that they were going to tie it out there back uh, that same day. Wow. So, I mean, I know people that worked there knew that the horse was there since they groomed the run that was like 40 feet from the horse to get it ready for that weekend. So I'm sure they were going to handle the horse. Uh, probably kill it that same day. Sure. I'm pretty sure it was perfect timing. Yeah, you saved it more than one way then. Yeah. Wow. Well, I I just know that there's a whole lot of horse people listening to this show right now around the world that went, wow. (laughs) I heard that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a part of the story I didn't know. So how did you get the horse? Because the soft, powdery part of the snow can kind of envision how that got removed. Once you get down to the part near the horse's feet, where the snow was either hard packed or or frozen, how did you loosen him from from the grips? Um, well, I mean, I carry a bunch of gear with me, and I had an ice axe, so I just carefully hit the the ice below its hooves and picked up her legs, and actually gave the horse massage on all four legs because it seemed pretty cold. I don't know. I would have done what the horse would have done to me, so that's what I did. Yeah, well, I was stuck out there. That's very good. So that in, makes any sense. <laughs> in the video, um, it has a little shot of you feeding him something, and we're going, okay, this is a snowboarding dude. Obviously, he doesn't carry horse feed around in his backpack. Yeah. What did you give that horse that he was so enthusiastically eating? Um, it's actually pretty weird. Um, we had peanuts, like seasoned peanuts. And we had garbanzo beans. And I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure horses don't eat that, but we still gave Not it to normal, the horse. No. <laughs> yeah, when you're hungry, you'll eat anything. <laughs> yeah. She had a whole, whole can of peanuts and garbanzo beans. Oh, my God. I actually thought it was because I saw the dog with you. I actually thought it was dog food there for a while. No. Uh, no. You know what, though? They do. I have heard of uh, horses eating peanuts before. Um. 
Well, very cool. Well, I, you know, and tell us about what, what, for all the horse world, thank you for saving this horse from the snow and uh, the other people who had other things in mind. We appreciate that. Did they end up back at his owner's? Um, so here's the thing. I mean, I know there's a lot of wild horses out there in Chile, and they just run around and roam the mountains. And obviously, I inspected the horse to see if it had any tags or anything uh, signifying it had an owner. Um, but I believe it does not have an owner mm. since I just took it back to town and then left it in the grass with the rest of the horses that just hang out there. But I've had a bunch of people approach me saying it was their horse and talking about like half a dozen people and I'm not sure if they they were just saying that for the fame to get recognition well because it was actually their horse but if it was their horse I mean shame on them for not going out there to look for their horse so. boy things are different down there aren't they Raphael yeah <laughs> so at this point the horse's ownership is is really ambiguous we're not really sure though what we do know is that the horse made it safely back to town and got some good food and water yeah yeah so i'm very curious Raphael. you're not a horse guy what um, do I mean, you do I've, for a living I've ridden horses and, uh, <laughs> well right now it's a bit complicated i'm triple majoring at university of colorado in boulder um, I'm doing environmental sciences, geography, and ATOP, which is atmospheric and oceanic sciences. Um, I also own a international mountain film festival based around uh, helping uh, grow local communities' uh, mountain culture and help preserve the environment. And I'm also a professional snowboarder, so... I stay pretty busy. I'd yeah, say. I was going to say, what do you do in your free time, Raphael? <laughs> Save work. I actually have a, I have a bartending job. Oh, really? <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. The film festival sounds fascinating. Is the are all the films related to mountains and mountain life? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I did one in Chile last winter, uh, which was like a month after I saved the horse. Um, it went pretty well the first one, and right now I have one planned in Fernie, British Columbia, Innsbruck, Austria, and Taos, New Mexico. So our, hopefully our, we, we do some good gifts for the environment and just give the people something to do. And most of them are homemade using GoPros and uh, that kind of thing? Um, I mean, there's a lot of professional athletes from around the world that come and compete with, like, over a hundred thousand dollars worth of camera gear, and then there's always a couple teams that have never been to the mountains that are also competing. So it's overall just a fun competition. And then the uh, I imagine that the drones have really helped as far as filming is concerned. Yeah, there's always people with drones here. <laughs> I bet there is, and it, you know it is. It's I mean they do do fa- fabulous uh, work with those drone cameras now. They're, they're every bit as good as any other camera at this point. Yeah. Well, that's they're very awesome. cool. We'll post a link to uh, the film festival uh, on our Facebook page and also in our show notes. We appreciate you stopping by. And for the whole horse world out there, thank you for saving that uh, pony stuck in the mountains there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just wanted to say one thing that yeah. the whole video has been like blown out of proportion as what I imagined because 
for me, it's just what I would have done as caring for animals and other people. But, I mean, I've read a bunch of the comments and a lot of good comments, a lot of bad comments. And I don't know, I just want to say that most people who care about other animals would have done the same. So it's nothing that special. I just happened to film it. Yeah, you happened to film it, but you also did it. I mean, and yeah. you would have you would have done it had, and I know I know that just by talking to you, you would have done it even if you hadn't been filming it. And I think that's what makes the difference. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I go to Chile every year. I'll be there for four months. Come this uh, summertime here in the states, so I'll definitely keep an eye out for the horse and try to find her and take a photo with her and post it. Very good. We'll look for it. Sounds good. All right, thank you. Yep, thanks for your time. This week's EasySignsOnline.com Spotlight product is their New England-style farm signs, their most popular line of signs. New England-style farm signs are very durable and designed for long-term outdoor use with no maintenance required, no wood to rot, and no paint to peel. They will outlast the old-style painted wood signs by many, many years. They are available in many sizes, shapes, and styles, which makes them the perfect sign for any farm or business. Go online today and go through the EasySignsOnline.com easy step-by-step ordering process to see all the prices and options available. They also offer free, no-obligation sign proofs on all New England-style signs. And you get free shipping as well on all New England-style signs. So replace your old worn-out sign and make a great first impression with a new farm sign from EasySignsOnline.com. And the holidays are right around the corner, so it's a terrific gift idea. I can't think of a better one. Visit EasySignsOnline.com. Okay, well, Lena, you heard the interview now. There was the twist. I, I got to tell you, I'm not speechless too often. You know that. I've interviewed no. about 5,000 people. I, That's you know, gotcha. Big names, doesn't matter who they are. I don't get speechless. This one got me. This one got me. He got. He did. You You were kind of tongue-tied. You weren't expecting the fact that these people were... I wasn't expecting that they wanted to make jerky out of this horse. <laughs> well, you know, I the thing I found the most fascinating about that conundrum <laughs> was that... Um, Compassion is compassion. Even if they want to eat the horse later, which is fine. You know, we eat all kinds of things. Um, If you want to eat horses, that's fine. Eat horses. But treat them humanely. Treat them with compassion. Treat them with that little special thing inside human beings that makes us Uh, different. Don't let them starve to death frozen on top of a mountain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, like, be kind. And this kid was. God bless him. Like, he was just kind. And then – but imagine – that and I'm sure he didn't do it for himself or for the recognition or anything like that. Anybody, anybody who would be out there in the Chilean backcountry <laughs> skiing in powder like he was, which was beautiful. Those shots were absolutely yeah, gorgeous. They were. Um, you know, any one of us would have helped out another creature in need. But imagine his dismay when, you know, his I mean, I, I just felt villagers. like his heart was <laughs> I know. I felt like his heart was a little broken by, like, the ski patrol and the villagers saying, you know, well, thanks very much. She's she's going to be in your 
bag of treats next week. Um, that's a little hard thing to swallow, literally oh, and, and figuratively. But, and you know, he's, this is a kid who's going places. He's got a lot going for him. He's obviously very talented. He's smart. He's kind. I I, I think it was one of the, I'm really happy that we got him on. I just, I'm mad that I missed asking him questions myself, but I was happy to hear what you and Jen got, oh. got out of him. <laughs> I, it really did catch me off guard. I really was caught off guard in that one. Was and she's he, a cute little mare too. Yeah. Yeah. She looked like she was in good weight, healthy I'm hoping and round. she's still alive. Let's not use past tense. Yeah, she might I'm still be thinking. on that little grass field in the middle of town where apparently all the horses go to eat. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. Anyway, let's get a, let's totally change topics. Okay. Okay. Let's we do totally that. change topics. And okay. you got an interview as well. Tell us about that. I did. I did. Um, I got to talk to Hannah Broadus, and she is a marketing specialist. That's her her day job. She's from. Um, she lives in Bozeman, Montana, or she's from that area. And she wrote a blog, and her blog was kind of interesting because at first you and I both thought that she was a mom, that she was a horse mom, um, but it turns out that she doesn't have kids at all. So she wrote this blog post, and it's titled Seven Ways to Deal with Your Teenage Daughters So That They'll Appreciate You Later. Now, when we started this interview, when we first found out that she had no kids, I was like, whoa, got to change tactics. What, what the heck am I going to talk to this woman about? We, we, you know, we really, other than a love of horses, what, we, I don't know, what am I going to ask her about? What kind of horses she rides? Well, it turns out that the blog post she wrote was actually from the perspective of a teenager. Uh, so she's a woman, she's but she's a young woman. So she's not so far out of the teenage world that she's forgotten what it's like. So she's actually in that transition time of her life where she remembers what was important to her as a teenager. And she's old enough now to be able to articulate it. So she and I talk about the seven ways she believes that we can deal with our teenage daughters so that they will appreciate us. And I got to tell you, she's spot on. Welcome, Hannah, to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. I think you and I are about to have a very interesting conversation about teenage girls. Yes, I agree. Thanks for having me. So you have this um, a great blog. You're a wonderful writer, very um, you, very captivating. Um, and so uh, this recent blog post that you had, well, recent actually it was from April of last year, but we found it recently, um, is titled Seven Ways to Deal with Your Teenage Daughters So That They'll Appreciate You Later. And of course, having a just about teenage daughter myself, I was really interested in what you had to say. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the, so my, my stupid like mom attitudes was like, how could this woman possibly know what to tell another mother about raising a teenage daughter if she doesn't have a teenage daughter herself? She was a teenage daughter. And you know what? She's not so far out of that teenage life, like I am, that she actually remembers what was important. So as I read through this list of suggestions on how moms can interact with their teenage daughters in a better way so that they will appreciate us, I was just absolutely floored. Because you're spot on. And I only know that you're spot on because I had to fail a gazillion times <laughs> to realize <laughs> what you have written so beautifully. So let's talk about um, this list. First of all, what motivated you to write this particular blog? You know, 
know, I was an intensely challenging teenager. Um, I decided around the age of 11 that I was turning 18. <laughs> so um, I, I think encountering that and working through all of those challenges as a teenager really made me aware of all of the challenges that mothers and daughters go through together. Um, in college, actually, I was inspired because of my relationship with my mom and a lot of what I put her through to um, major in communication and learn about how people interact. And I did a lot of uh, interpersonal communication that focused around that, um, that really that mother-daughter element was what inspired me. So um, after a while, I think this inspiration to write the article came from a lot of the thinking and pondering that I've done both as a past teenager um, and now being able to look at it from the point of view as an adult, seeing a lot of my um, friends start to go through motherhood. And um, I think really it was a, a hope to be able to kind of explain the best practices and the best things that I've seen done. Um, but really, I think every mom just kind of does her best. And I know that I will struggle with a lot of this stuff in, put, you know, actually putting it into action rather than just thinking about it from um, an outsider's or a theoretical point of view. Um, but I do think it, it helps sometimes to just quickly summarize what we as moms, and I, I think about myself actually as a mom, I almost always have uh, because I played that mentor role a lot of times. Sure. Um, and I know kind of how I will be as a mother, just as it's gotten more ingrained. Um, I have no children, but um, I think that that kind of early training and the reflection that I've done on myself as a teenager, I think is going to make um, my teenage years <laughs> maybe slightly less horrible when I have. Um, kids that are teenagers themselves. So, yeah. Well, I think there's a misconception about um, teenagers being difficult simply because they're, they're teenagers. Um, I, th I love that you point out a lot of it has to do with communication skills, um, especially your, your personal communication skills. So the fact that you went on to study communication is just awesome because that's where a lot of us fall apart. And really teenagers speak a different language. I think it, um, at times because their world is different. They, they essentially live in teenager country. <laughs> they're not different. Absolutely. They're not a different kind of species, but they, they do sort of live in a different country and <laughs> they speak the, you know, the teenager language of that country. Um, but you know, some, of, I, I believe that some women have a, a very strong nurturing, um, energy inside of them. Sometimes that comes out in actual biological motherhood. Sometimes it comes in um, parenting from adopting or fostering human beings or sometimes animals um, or just mentoring others. But there's a strong nurturing sense. And I think when you acknowledge that nurturing sense in yourself, especially now, um, you can build on that. So by the time you do have children or you're doing a role, you are in a role where you have to parent or nurture some things do just come a little bit easier to you. And it's not unlike riding horses. There are theories and concepts that you can fully understand when you're on the ground, but you put your butt in the saddle and suddenly it's baptism by fire. You're like, oh my God, what was that thing I thought I, I totally knew? <laughs> How am I supposed to do this? You know? Exactly. 
Right. So yeah, you're basically you know, at this point where you're like, you know, you're doing all this groundwork. Yeah, that's actually that honestly has been my goal. And really, I think my interest in training children in a sense or parenting or nurturing really came about through horses. Um, I think it was that uh, ability to see the training process and how horses learn best through positive reinforcement rather than negative reinforcement and the kind of changes that you can see happen, you know, astonishingly fast if you praise rather than punish. And so that part of the training process really interested me. And I saw how that was really applicable, both in a parenting setting and in a teacher classroom setting. And I started to play around with you know, what does that mean for communication? What does that mean for relationships with um, mother and daughter and for teacher mentor type relationships too? So I do think there's a strong tie there. There is a very strong tie there. And um, it's hard not to get inspired by the impact you can have when you're working with horses and children or, or other people to see how they, to see the change that you can affect on someone else is very inspiring. So let's go through this list if if you don't mind, because I'm I'm just in love with it. All right. So the first the first point that you bring you write about is to listen and listen and listen some more. Mm-hmm. Um your mom was a good listener. W- at what point did you realize that listening was important? She was a great listener. Um I think really it's part of the quality of listening too. You know, you can listen about someone's day, but you can also listen about why they believe what they believe, um, why they do what they do, what their motivations are. And I think that it's that kind of listening that's more important when it comes to teenagers because you start to understand who they really are. Um, I think that that listening also gave me a, a very strong sense of voice that, you know, what I said mattered and what I felt mattered. And I think that that is a key thing to reinforce in action. And by listening, you're, you're doing just that. You're saying, you know, you, you matter in the world. You do. That's, you are saying that, and you can say that in a number of different ways. So points two and three are are two additional ways that you do tell your child that she matters. Um, don't trivialize her day-to-day drama. That stuff matters. You know, there's something um, we talk about in, in our household, something called emotional trust. And when mm-hmm. you your child is talking to you and you're listening, um, you part of that, that quality of listening is um, being non-judgmental, is to hear what this person is saying to you and to hear it from the place that they're telling it from. And that if you can put yourself in that place, that allows you to not trivialize or judge her day-to-day drama. It is important to her. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's really important for every teenage girl to know that, um, you know, what she's going through on a day-to-day basis is a big deal in the same sense that, you know, I think a lot of times as, as we become adults, we start thinking, you know, I thought, I thought this sort of thing was going to end when I became an adult. Um, you know, I thought that interactions with other women may get easier, but you find that there's a lot of parallels, you know, what might have been in high school for some continues into the workplace, into their other um, mother friend roles. 
And I think that that is a really key thing for a a teenage girl to start to develop those skills in teenage years because it's not going to get any easier over time. You just learn to deal with it a lot better and to handle it in a more mature and professional way. And I think that that's kind of the key is training your girls. How do you handle this for the rest of, you know, a long time? These situations are not going to go away. Right. So by not trivializing whatever she brings to you and point number three, insisting that she bring you um, honesty to the table that you, um, if she find if she feels that her mother, her father, whoever her guardians are, this support system, um, is going to be supportive emotionally and not judgmental. She is going to be able to come to you with honesty and therefore she's going to listen. So you have a chance to respond to what she's giving you. Um, and then she's going to take, right. She's then going to take that response and internalize it. And like you said, take it back out into the world and, and model it. So exactly. So then, okay. So now point number four, give her independence. Talk about that one. Yes. Yes. So this is, I think where uh, it really varies depending on, um, the child. You know, I hit 11 and really, really wanted independence to be able to go make my own decisions. Um, you know, I was actually very adult-like, I think, at, at a far younger age than most parents would be comfortable with. And I think that that's kind of a constant struggle between parents and children is how much independence is right and when are we giving our children too much wiggle room um, to be able to experience things. And I think that this is something that's always a case-by-case decision. But I think that that independence or the ability for her to take your insight and your advice on life and be able to go out and make her own decisions and suffer her own consequences, good or bad, is really important um, because it allows her to start to test the boundaries of what it means to be an adult. And I think that these teenage years are really, they're growing years, they're teaching years, and so having that independence gives you room to practice. And so this is one of those variables about being a parent that you really have to deal with, which is how do you stand by and watch your daughter suffer the consequences of her own decisions? It's incredibly painful. It's incredibly difficult and it's incredibly necessary. So while your daughter's going through her own personal work, um, you know, her mother's also going through that work of, uh, you know, you, you, you can't learn not to put your hand in the fire until you get burned at least once. So it's something you, you yeah. know, there's an inner strength that you, you need to yeah. work on. That's one of those things. It's a moving target. I always say this. Motherhood is a moving target. <laughs> yes, <laughs> None absolutely. of us are free. None of us are free from that. But there's, yep. there's. And I think that. So I had to put independence forth because um, I, I really felt like to be able to have independence that's productive and that is strong and is. Um, you know, a, a learning skill and that can be used in the future, you have to have the first three. Um, so she has to feel like there is a support system, that she's not just out there on her own. And when she decides that she's ready, then she'll come back to you. Um, she knows you're going to be there without a doubt. You will help her if she falls. And I think that part is really important to the independence discussion. Um, if she doesn't feel like she's got the first three in terms of a support system, allowing her independence could cause you to fail later or to feel like 
um, you've gotten yourself into a little bit of a pickle that you need to back out of together. And so I think those, those three, it's kind of a, a big package deal to have the first three and then move forward to independence from there. So I, I have to speed things up a little bit because I could probably talk for hours about this stuff. So <laughs> I want to, I want to, um, my other favorite, there are a couple other points on here, but my other favorite suggestion that you make is one that I seem to forget about because I get caught up in, in the busyness and the activity of life. And that is give her affection, a lot of it. Yeah. Um, you could be, I'm a super affectionate person. I, I've always considered myself one. People tell me all the time. You're a very affectionate person. But I think as moms um, or parents in general, when you get caught up in the responsibility of being a caregiver, you sometimes forget that there's a relationship that needs to be nurtured with affection. So you could be the most affectionate person you know, but you're still not giving your daughter enough affection. Being mindful of that, I think, is a start. Absolutely. This is a really, um, this is honestly one of my favorite ones because it's so easy to get sucked into the um, pattern of not giving affection. Um, I think because you get busy, because as things um, start to develop, the less you do it, the less you think to do it, the less you um, may feel comfortable to do it and vice versa. You know, at the same time, you've got a, a daughter who is going to be actively pushing you away and telling you, <laughs> you know, don't do that, mom. It's so uncool. I can't believe you're around. No, I don't want to hug you. I don't want to kiss you. But deep, deep down, she absolutely does. And I think for mothers to be mothers, it's that strength to stand up and say, too bad. I want to hug you. And yeah. I know the little girl inside of you also wants to be hugged. And that is, that's my right as your mother. And I think that that it will do you better. Um, if I continue to do it, pushing out of that comfort bubble to um, give that affection as much as you can. I'm totally going to use that line like three years from now. I'm going to hug you. It's my right as your mother. <laughs> that is worth a whole interview today. Thank you, Hannah. Absolutely. I think you but, should use it and it'll do you well down the line. Yeah. And you know what? I'll give her your number and email address. And when she gets a little <laughs> annoyed with me, I'll tell her to, to hook up with you. Um, I would love to Absolutely. keep going on and on about this, but I'm I'm really impressed with your perspective and your writing ability. You've articulated some very difficult things um, so beautifully. Uh, tell us a little bit about where people can find you. You have a, a lovely blog um, and, and it's, it's hannahbrotus.com, right? Um, it's actually hannahebroadis.com. You can find me there. Um, you can always, of course, email me. I have gotten some great stories both on horses and um, on mothers coming from people all over the country. Um, and so you're welcome to email me. You can um, read those blogs. And I love hearing the stories of um, people and their horses and their kids. So if you want to comment for to email, that would be great. Okay. And we will put links to Hannah's website up on the show notes at stablescoop.com. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on and letting me pick your brain and do my mom thing. I hope you will come back and join us again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye.
Well, this Tack and Habit segment uh, is brought to you by Sparkle and Boom. Tell us about Sparkle and Boom, the place where you can get all of your cool graphics and website work and everything done by the most professional woman I know. That would be me. That's you. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I'm only professional when I'm not recording stable scoop right. and I'm not drinking. <laughs> That's right. She's actually yes. a lot different when in real life. Yeah, I'm I'm a lot in real life. No, maybe I'm a lot, maybe this is how I really am. And then there's my professional life. Okay. Anyway, so yes, I am the sole proprietor of Sparkle and Boom, and we provide creative. And I say we because you know what? I can't do everything by myself. It's the, the royal, royal we. No. no. Um. So what we do is we offer creative but very practical marketing services to other small business owners. And since I happen to have been in the equestrian industry for the last 17 years or whatever. It is. Um, I happen to know a little bit about the horse world. Um, so we do websites, we do print advertisements, logos, business cards, banner ads, you name it. But here's what we do that makes us different than everybody else. We take a few minutes to get to understand your business and what you want to do with it. Some people just want to stay alive. Other people want to get bigger. Other people want to get started. Um, other people have a very distinct idea of how they want to represent their business to the marketplace. So understanding what that message is and then taking that message and articulating it to your market in a very clear and elegant way, but realistic, you know, because there's some people who will do marketing and advertisements that, that make you look super corporate. You know, they're really polished and they're really fancy. And at the end of the day, that's not exactly what you are. So Sparkle and Boom will make sure that we preserve the authenticity of you and your business, but still put some sparkle and a little professional polish on your marketing message. So if you want to find out how we do that, visit us online at sparkleandboom.com. Why well, pick the tack and have a product this week? And it's based on one we've tested now for a couple of weeks. We're going away on vacation, as you know, as we talked about. And one of the concerns that we had was the dog goes, stays with somebody else. So that's good. The horses are taken care of by our landlord. So that's good. But the landlord hates the cat and the cat hates the landlord. So the landlord does not take care of the cat. So for that purpose, we have to have my sister-in-law stop over once a day and take care of the cat. Well, as you guys that are longtime listeners know, the beast is needy and quite a, a – uh, he's a beast. So we, so we have this problem uh, that if you feed him too much at one time, he gets sick. And he throws up everywhere, and then my poor sister-in-law has to clean it up every day when she comes over. <laughs> so we sorry I, I laugh because I know it's just uh, it's just uh, you can only laugh if you've stepped in that stuff in I know and, and I have in the morning when the lights aren't on <laughs> yeah. and it's gross so <laughs> we it's really gross when you're barefooted oh it's just awful. I, know, oh. I know I know so and it's squish oh. <laughs> Anyway, now you get it stops you dead in your tracks, and you go always because it gets between your toes. It's just great. Ah! (laughs) So anyway, so we had to switch his feed, and I talked to Doctor Wendy, and he she said he she said you got to go with feeding him better food. So now get this: Jennifer cooks for the cat. She makes chicken, and she takes pumpkin, and she takes uh, like I don't know what else goes in there, but it looks like this orange mush when she's done. 
and we feed that to him once a day. And then the rest of the day, when he's whining incessantly that he's still hungry, uh, we had to do something. But we knew we were going to be gone, and the pet and the the pet feeders only coming over once a day. So we thought, well, we're going to buy him the $20 for three-pound dry food that's just no additives, just chicken and peas, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. So they're very expensive stuff. So this is all killing me, by the way. So then I thought, well, let's try one of those electronic feeders. They make them that they have like five little bins, and I got on Amazon, and I found the PetSafe electronic pet feeder. And it, it's run by four D-cell batteries. It has five little bins and a lid that closes, and it, it turns the bins at set times that you set on the little electronic doohickey. So you can set five times during the day when you want the new feeder to, when they want the feeder to turn and his new food to come into view. And I said, well, at least that way when we're gone, he'll be getting food all day, right? She loads it up in the morning. We set it for five times during the day and put a little bit in each of his very expensive dry food, and he'll be totally happy. And we won't okay. have him throwing up everywhere, and we won't have him ripping the house to shreds. Okay. So Which he does. He's yes. the beast for a reason. Yes. So now the last two weeks we've been testing this. And I was pretty convinced one of two things was going to happen. One, he was just going to still be all pissed off. And two, he was going to destroy the thing trying to get at the little bins that he can't get to. That he was going to figure that out. That they're in there, and I can get to them if I rip the cover off and you know, tr- totally trashed this thing. Right. Well, I got to tell you, it's pretty rugged, and he has not played with it at all. Uh, he also has not quite figured out yet. A lot of the comments said, my cat figures out when they hear the, of the, of the thing turning that their yeah. food is going to be there. He hasn't figured that out. He just kind of happens on it. You know, he goes up and checks if he has any yeah. food in his bowl. The beast is more bronze than he is yes. brain, I think. That's right. So he goes up and checks periodically through the day, and he's like surprised <laughs> when there's food there. So I got to tell you, it's, it's so been working cute. so well. He hasn't been sick once since we've done this newfangled. Uh, now, keep in mind, my wife doesn't even cook for me. So, yeah. 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 So uh, he, he gets his wet in the morning his homemade wet food in the morning, and then all during the day, we just put a little bit in. We actually take one cup and divide it, one little cup and divide it amongst all five bins. And then he has a little bit to munch on all day long, but he can't gorge. That's the idea. Because some cats will just gorge, and he doesn't gorge. It really does work. The thing's pretty big. It's about, I'd say it's about 16 inches long. And so it's a pretty big thing, right? Uh, But we just put it where beside his food bowl, and it sits there, and you'll hear it run that five times, you know, 11 o'clock, and it turns, and it works beautifully. I got to tell you, we're very impressed. He hasn't fussed with it, and it has just, he's been happier. He doesn't whine all day, so I want to, you know, kick him across the room. Uh, I don't think he's gotten kicked across the room once in two weeks. So (laughs) that's good. Everybody's happy. Glenn, <laughs> just saying. So anyway, by the way, I think please, please take this as a public service announcement. Do not ever, ever kick your cat. Oh, this cat comes back for more. You know the. Oh, beast. Glenn, you just know. Stop that. <laughs> he comes back for more. You can fantasize about it, but don't ever do it. <laughs> so uh, of course I'm being sarcastic. Yes, you are. Yes. Um, uh, 
I have wanted to throw them out the window of a second story <laughs> you know building what? many times, but I will tell you, I for two people who are up early, and you have one cat, I have two, and they want to go in and out Ugh. of the back door seventy eight times from four a.m. until seven a.m. And Why I only get up sixty eight times. They're a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I, I know. So, so, so yeah, I do fantasize about throwing my cats across the room. All right, go ahead. I think that this would be an excellent feeder for outside, too. If you want your outdoor cats to not have, or you're, you've got rats or mice getting at the cat food, yeah. Uh, if you want to just limit to a little bit all day long, you could use this outside, too, like in your feed room. Well, and, yeah, until all the critters <laughs> figure out how the damn thing <laughs> they works. Hear going, and you have them yeah. all fighting at uh, 11 o'clock for the food. <laughs> yeah, don't forget their hearing, especially the wild ones. Their hearing is really good. They're going to hear that thing turn, and, and, and then there'll be like five raccoons and a skunk <laughs> sitting next to your cat with a little fork and knife and a little napkin tied around their necks. But if, you are, if you're already putting cat food out for your cat in the barn, we used to do that, then this is, this is a good option. It really is. I, I so far I've, I've been very impressed. It's it's forty three forty four dollars on Amazon. It's the Pet Safe electronic pet feeder, but they make a couple versions. One that has two compartments and one that has five. I would say get the one that has five. It was very easy to program. You know how some of these things are a nightmare to program. Yeah. But the little screen and the buttons were very easy. The directions were very easy. So far, I would give this also a full bail. I've been very impressed. A full full six flakes and a bale. Yep. Full six flakes and a bale. Yep. I like I like, I like, like. it. Forty three bucks, it seemed worth the money. And now we All don't right. have to worry when we go away that our pet sitter's gonna quit halfway through. So <sighs> and the cat's gonna starve to death. Yeah, um, well I've met Beast and I wouldn't so I wouldn't blame her. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We have a new show for you again next week. Even though we're both on vacation, we do have a new show. We're recording it uh, ahead of time. So be sure to listen in next week as well as we learn a little bit about Whole Foods and how they apply to horses. Where you can find Helena at? You can find me at sparkleandboom.com. I've been busy working away lately, so please feel free to send me an email. Um, you can actually you can connect to, with me right from the website, sparkleandboom.com. That stuff gets forwarded everywhere I go. All right, very good. And, of course, you can listen to all the past episodes of the Stable Scoop Show at stablescoop.com. And the best way to listen to our show is on our app. Uh, about, I think it's 22,000 people now have downloaded it. So if you haven't, you can be one of the cool kids by going to the iOS or Android app store and searching for Horse Radio Network. Thanks to our sponsors, Easy Signs Online. Thanks to our auditors. And thanks to Sparkle and Boom. That's it for this week. That was plenty, but there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping. <laughs>